Well, we've talked about uh, contribution and capacity. We've talked a little bit about last week, you know, Mary and Joseph gave out of what they had, not what someone else had. You know, and that's what God looks at. He doesn't look, he doesn't ask you to give according to what someone else has. He asks you to give according to what he's given you. Uh, and so we contribute out of our personal capacity. Last week I talked with you about sacrifice and supply. Uh, you know, Mary and Joseph gave the sacrifice. They were poor individuals. They gave the two turtle doves. And, and you know, they did that out of a heart of love and gratitude toward God, not knowing that what was going to be required of them in the future. And the wise men come along a couple years later, and after the wise men have left, an angel appears to Joseph and says, I want you to take the child, go to Egypt, because Herod's going to try to kill him. And so... They had the gold to do that. The wise men gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they had the gold to make the trip. If they hadn't given the sacrifice, then the gold wouldn't have been there. And so when they came, they had the, the, the ability to do that. So with the sacrifice, sometimes God calls us to go beyond. And so with that sacrifice comes the supply. And God enables us to move and go beyond what we normally can. God never tells us to do something that he doesn't provide a way to do it. But sometimes he never gives us the plan until it's time to move in that direction. Uh, you know, I, I think of Abraham a lot of times. Hey, Abraham was told to go to a country that I will show you. Basically, God said, start walking that way. And I'll tell you when you get there. And that's kind of how it works a lot of times. Today, though, we're going to talk. This is the last in this series. We're going to talk about price and privilege. Price and privilege. We're going to take the text out of John chapter 12. If you're looking for you version today, I can promise you there's nothing in there. There's going to be slides, no slides today. Been one of those kind of weeks. Uh, and God was so gracious, you know, I knew where I was headed today, but the, the, there's just so many hours in a day, and so the study did not come the way it normally does, and so uh, sometime over the weekend, God was very gracious to, to give me the, the clear direction of what we're going to do today, but there are no notes. If you want the notes after service today, email us at the office, and we'll send them to you. John 12, uh, this is a story where um, Jesus is at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he's, he's reclining at the table. They're having a meal together. And at some point in the evening, Mary just looks at the table and she sees her brother Lazarus, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Remember, Lazarus died, was in the grave for four days, and, and Jesus comes along. And Mary and Martha are mad at him because he didn't come soon enough. And everybody's questioning, why didn't you come? And Jesus, on purpose, didn't get there in time to save his life. And when he gets there, he looks at him and says, hey, there's, there's, you know, don't you know there's a resurrection? And she said, yeah, at the last day. He said, no, if you'll just hang tight. And so he goes over and he prays. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus does. So now they're at, this, at their home having a meal. Mary looks across the table. She sees Lazarus there and she sees Jesus there, who is the person responsible for her brother being alive. And she just feels compelled to do something. And she, she goes, she leaves the room, she goes to, the, to her room in the house there, and she comes out with a jar of nard, perfume, pure nard. And she pours it all over Jesus' feet, and she begins to wipe her feet, his feet with her hair. Her gratitude for what Jesus did for her brother and for her family was overwhelming. And she just felt like, you know, a dinner's not enough. Yes, we're saying thanks, but there, I've got to do more than this. She's got to do more than what's happening in the moment. Now, you know, um, the truth of this thing is this. When you start looking at the cost, now I mentioned this back in, early in the year when we talked about making room for God, but um, this jar of perfume in that day was one year's wages. 
one year's wages. In today's currency, it'd be about $15,000 for this pint of uh, spikenard. But I want to reiterate again that Mary gave what she had. She gave what she had, and she gave what she could. We see in Mary's, in Mary's example here, a different Mary than Mary and Joseph, a different Mary, we see this Mary giving out of sacrifice and out of supply. That spikenard, that perfume was kind of like a nest egg. It was kind of like her, her, her uh, savings account, if you will, or her retirement for a rainy day. She's got this thing. It's worth a full year's wages. She could sell it and not have to, and, and she could take care of her bills. But instead, she sacrifices what she has and she gives it to God. She pours it all over Jesus' feet. She had the capacity to do it because she gave what she had. But it was sacrificial because it was all that she had. So today we're going to talk about price and privilege. Now, what, we, you know, we always ask the question, what does it cost, right? When you buy a car, you look at the sticker, what does it cost? When you're getting ready to buy a house, you go pre-approved, what can I afford? What does, what does the house cost? Your kids, you know, they come up and go, hey, can I have this? Last night we were at a wedding and Brady came up to me and he said, Papa, he said, um, do you have any money? And, you know, and he knows Papa's always got a little bit of cash in his pocket because I just want to have a little bit of cash in my pocket. And I said, what do you want? He said, he said I want to buy football. We want to play some football out here in this big open area. And me and the boys want to, me and my buddies want to play football. I said, what is that? How much does it cost? And he goes, I'll go find out. So he goes downstairs, comes back up, and he told me how much it was. And, and, and you know, okay. So Papa gives him some money. He goes and gets the football. But we always ask, how much does it cost? How much does it cost? Now, when we start talking along these lines, you know, there's always the comment because, you know, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about how much it costs for you to enjoy Generations United Church. Okay? Now, here's the deal. Nobody wants to pay the church's bills. I mean, really truthfully, we don't want to pay our own, do we? I mean, we want to have stuff, but we don't want to pay for it. The problem with that is that it kind of illegal to have stuff that you don't pay for and 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 God just says hey you know do the right thing but here's the deal what does it cost to do church what does it cost to do church at Gen U more specifically because this is where you are this morning by the way great crowd in here we took about 50 chairs out I think we had to put some back in this morning but we want you to be a little closer and we sing, draw me a little closer to the Lord. We're drawing you closer to one another as well. So I'm back here. But here's, here's just some breakdown of numbers, okay? I went this week and kind of pulled some numbers, and I wanted to just kind of see. So here's the deal. For a mortgage payment, utilities, and insurance, $331,000 a year. Just to do, pay the mortgage, to keep the lights on, keep it nice and cool in here. The insurance. You know, you think your homeowners is tough. <laughs> Try paying homeowners on this place. You know. Looking around the campus this week, I've got a list of things. We've got a list of things that we need to do that we're looking at. We've got two hundred more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in renovation and upgrade projects that need to happen. We need to do it. We need to do it yesterday. Things like uh, resurface all the parking lots. Uh, we need to refloor this sanctuary. The carpet in here is getting old and it's getting worn. And, and it really looks like, you know, it's kind of a Skittles colored carpet. 
You know, it looks like someone just kind of puked Skittles all over the floor. You know, uh, so it'd be nice to have some new carpet in here. Um, and when you put new carpet in, obviously you've got to have new chairs. Now, now wait, hang on a minute now. No, before you go, oh, here's the deal. Uh, most people, most, if you have a wife, men, if you have a wife and, and she's going to do upgrades in your house and go replace the flooring, then you have to have furniture to match the flooring. You know? And I see some of you guys going, no, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, let me tell you this. Be careful what you say you don't have to do. But it's all about upgrades. It's all about upgrades. It's all about doing it. But here's the, here's the other side of this. You know, we just, we just spent um, $250,000 on the acoustic panels and new sound and system in here. Sounds fantastic. Should have been done years and years ago. You know, but we just, we're just able to do it. But even with all of that, we're doing, we're doing about $60,000 worth of renovations in the children's building to make sure that when we open the daycare next, next uh, August, that it'll be ready to go. $72,000 just to put smoke alarm systems in our children's and youth areas. You know, where's that money come from? Well, we could sell chicken dinners, you know, but the truth of the matter is when you look at the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation, the way, the way church is sponsored and the way church is funded is through the, the generosity of the people that make it their church home. All right? So it cost. You say, well, I, that, you know, I don't want to help the church pay the bills. Okay, don't worry about the church paying the bills. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Last year, in 2018, we had over 300 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Now, how do you price that? How do, you, how do you price that? How much does it cost to win people to Jesus Christ and to restore broken people? Some of you came to this house in a very broken, shattered state. And God, through the ministries of Generations United Church, has slowly but surely put you back together. How do you price that? How do you price that? The relief efforts for Hurricane Michael that we did, the, the relief efforts that we did for Hurricane Dorian. We built churches and schools all over the world. Every time we build a classroom in El Salvador, there's 60 children that get taken off the streets and get put into a Christian education environment. How do you put a price on that? How do you put a price tag on that? Um, you know, we take care of orphans. We take care of, we have student ministry and children's ministry here. Those of you that are sitting here this morning without your children hung to you, pulling on your, you know, I'm hungry or I want something to drink or eh, wah, 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 all that kind of stuff. <laughs> They're next door in the nurseries and in the children's building and in the middle school area because someone pays for it. And people volunteer to be there. You like the music in this house? Someone's got to buy guitars. Someone's got to buy sound systems. You like air conditioning? I've, I've been two weddings the last two days at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yesterday afternoon, I did a wedding in the bowels of hell. <laughs> 96 degrees, and I'm in a suit. The anointing was all over me. As a matter of fact, I was so annoyed, they was these oozing out of me. I got to the reception, my jacket was soaked through, and my sh it, I was nasty. It was just nasty. 
you know. I was begging for air conditioning. <laughs> Halloween on the Hill. 10,000 people from this community will come through these doors on October 31st. 10,000 people. You know, that event, the first year we did that event, we had no way to fund it. We just simply did it by faith because we had three days to literally put that, that, that together. We put it together. It was a $22,000 investment. Now, five or six years later, 10,000 people come through these doors. You provide the funds. You provide the candy. You work hard at it. It cost, it cost to be a part of a church and to have a church like this. It's no different from any other business. We support sharing and caring. We support the, the Twin Cities Pavilion. We've been, we've been raising supply, getting supplies for Twin Cities Pavilion this month, trying to stock their shelves. We work with children in crisis. We have somewhere around 50 missionaries and ministries around the world that we support. Lives are being changed. How do you price that? What is the value of a soul? Let me, let me kind of bring it down a little bit more personally. Where did you come to faith? Was it church? Was it at a camp? Did you get saved at Beach Freak? Were you at some retreat or a festival? Or somewhere else? Oh, I got saved watching Billy Graham on TV. Somebody had to pay for the cable. Somebody had to pay. Someone invested somewhere at some level to provide an opportunity for you to know Jesus. Now, I told you last, over the last couple of weeks, you know, we've 200 people give around 14, average of $14.10 a month. And I'll be honest with you, I'm so grateful for that. Because a few years ago, 52% of, of the people that made this their church home gave zero. That's not the case anymore. 400, over 420 donors now making Niceville their church home. Generations United is their church home. And you're giving. We've been encouraging you to just do, some, do, do a little bit more. Do a little bit more if you can. Everybody, step up, do a little bit more. But I have to ask you, what price do you put on your soul? You see, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. That's the price. That's the price of seeing people come to Jesus and seeing broken people brought to wholeness. So what about the privilege? Where does the privilege come into play? Well, we see this in Mary's life. If someone raised your brother from the dead, you'd be grateful, wouldn't you? You'd be grateful. What about your soul being raised from the dead. Because the Bible teaches that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But while we were there, Christ loved us so much that he died for us. And somewhere along the way, whether it's in a church service like this, or whether it's at a festival or a youth camp or something like that, somewhere along the way, someone paid a fee somewhere. They, they gave an offering. They paid a, a camp fee. They did something and enabled you to be in the place where your life and the Holy Spirit crisscrossed and you accepted Jesus Christ. And so your soul, which was dead, is now alive. <coughs> so should we not have the same grateful heart that Mary had? Yes, we should. It's really and truly about gratitude. 
They loved Jesus so much. Mary and Martha, they loved Jesus so much. They were grateful for him for what, what, he, what they did, and he, they gave them that dinner, but Mary just felt like she had to do more. And so she gave what she had, and she gave what she could. And we say that we love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. But here's the thing that we've got to recognize, and we've got to wrap our head around this, and that is you cannot, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If you love someone, you're going to give. For God so loved the world, he gave. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave. Gave. If we have love in our heart, it's always going to be revealed in our actions. If there's love in your heart, it's going to be revealed in a generous spirit. So here's the question this morning. Where do you start? Where do you start? Now, I have something I'm going to give somebody today. And I've been kind of looking around the building while I'm talking, trying to just pinpoint exactly who I want to give it to. I don't mind if I walk around a little bit, do you? Just kind of walking around a little bit, looking. You know, the Bible talks about the enemy, Satan, walks around like a roaring lion. I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not him. Greg Ammons. Come here, buddy. I'm going to give you this $100. And all I'm asking is that you give me $10 back sometime. All right? Be blessed. So you ask about the baseline. The baseline is the tenth. The baseline is the tenth. What I just did for Greg, God does for you every time you get a paycheck. Every time you earn a dollar, he just said, I'm going to give you this dollar. I don't have to give you this dollar, but I want to give you this dollar. And all I'm asking is for a dime. That's all I'm asking. Now, some of you mathematicians in the house and engineers in the house, all of a sudden your mind's going, <laughs> you know. A dime is one thing. $10 is something else, but you don't know my paycheck. No, I don't. But God does because he gave it to you. He gave it to you in its entirety. And all he says is, I just want 10% back. Just return to me. We always use the term, we give tithes. You don't give tithes. We return it. We return it. You say, well, I don't know that I can do that, Phil. Okay, then let me, let me just do this. I challenge you, start somewhere. If giving the tenth scares you, then start with 1%. Start with 2 I would encourage you to start somewhere that makes your hand shake when you write the check. Because you get, you get a lot further when your giving scares you. It goes back to last week's sacrifice and supply. How big do you want God to enlarge your ability to be generous? Is directly connected to how sacrificial you are in your giving. 
Now, I say this every time, and maybe you're not thinking this, but I know a lot of people that do because I, I, as a pastor, I talk to a lot of people that get upset and they go, all, all preachers ever talk about some money. Maybe that's the case somewhere. It's not here, okay? We do, a, we do a giving series once a year, and it might be mentioned from the pulpit in a teaching a few other times throughout the year, but it's not something we harp on. Because I believe that Generations United Church is the greatest church on the planet, and it's not something that we have to harp on. We want to live biblically, so let's live biblically. So here's the deal. Are you giving from a heart of gratitude and generosity? Do you understand that it costs to win people to Jesus, but yet we get the privilege of participating in God's great story? Every time we send a check from this church to a missionary in Russia or Ukraine or Africa or anywhere else in the world, South America, El Salvador, Argentina, any of these places, anytime we send money to a college campus, which we have numerous uh, Chi Alpha branches that we support around the country, every time that, that, that ministry reaches someone and they come to faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? God's up there with, in the, with the account books going, well, Generations United gets credit for that. And that and that. That's how it works. We get to participate in God's great story. We get to participate in what God's doing all around the world. And we participate by giving and, and, and giving of our of our of our offerings and returning the tithes to God. Look, I, and I get it, I've already said it, but I want to say it again. If if the tenth scares you, okay, I encourage you to start there. But if it does, then start somewhere. Start at one, start at two, start at three, start at five. Just begin to do something because here's what I know. It's even okay to take your wallet or your checkbook or your debit card or whatever you're using to give and go, God, your word says that I can test you. And so I'm testing you. I'm going to give to see if you are who you say you are. Now, there's nowhere else in Scripture that we're given the freedom to test him, but we are financially. I find that very interesting. I find that very interesting. The hardest place for us to give up lordship of is the finances. But it's the one place that God says, I dare you. Try me. Do this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and I won't pour out blessing upon you that you will not be able to contain it. But it didn't just stop there. He said, not only is that, is, is, I'm, I'm going to bless you that way, but I'm going to take care of the devourer that comes against your household. Comes the, and, and, and the fruit of your labors, the fruit of your grapevine will not fall off the vine. They're going to stay there. In other words, it's going to be a sustainable thing in God. Look at this. Look at this last verse. Well, I know you, don't have, you can't look at it, but here's what it says. 2 Corinthians 9. He who supplies seed to the sower. What is that? That's your paycheck. I don't have any seed, your paycheck. We're not in the agricultural side of things any longer. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's not about having to do it. I don't have to give. God gave me all of it. 
He asks us to return a portion of it. But you can choose not to. But it's I get to. And we've got the shirts, I get to serve. You know that whole thing we do? I, I get to serve. I get to give. I get to give. It is the privilege of giving that always exceeds the price. So whether you're looking at it from contribution and capacity, sacrifice and supply, or price and privilege, it all boils down to are we willing to step out in faith financially and let God do something special in our life so that we can be generous on every occasion. Amen?